as we've gone through the, the start of our season of Advent, got ourselves going by looking at three different uh, ways in which the Lord is coming into this world. Uh, the first one and the first practice as we laid out last week by Bernard of Clairvaux was uh, the coming of the Lord in the Christmas story, the incarnation. Uh, the second is the coming of the Lord daily into our lives uh, through his word, through uh, the means of grace. Um, and then thirdly, uh, the way the Lord is coming, that is coming at the end of time and, and bringing about that final day of resurrection, that judgment day. Um, that is uh, what we are focusing on. And as we, we looked at it, we, we realized our Advent, a lot of times some people are just looking at the first coming, that is the baby Jesus and, and gearing up for Christmas. Uh, the, or they're thinking about the end times, that is Jesus coming at the very final part. Now the world is already moved into Christmas. Um, and we can't help but be carried along with that, right? I mean, the Christmas trees are up. There you go. Uh, and, and often we have, uh, maybe, if, unless you're repulsed by this, but have Christmas music going on in the background or, or on your radio in the car. And so our, our position as a church is to slow down and to actually reflect and to think about uh, Advent and, and the coming of Christ um, I pulled out a, um, a quote for you uh, from a book that, that I am reading and, and absolutely loving by um, Fleming Rutledge, uh, which is a fantastic name uh, if I've ever read one before. <laughs> um, guy's still alive, so I'm not going to make fun of it too much. Um, so he writes in the introduction of his book called Advent, uh, of all the seasons of the church year, Advent most closely mirrors the daily lives of Christians and the church. And it asks the most important ethical questions, presents the most accurate picture of the human condition, and above all, orients us to the future of the God who will come again. That's a lot for just four weeks. <laughs> but in this season, we are waiting and we are preparing, and so we are reading of what is to come and what that means for us now and who in fact is coming. And so hopefully you have moved into this time of, of doing devotions and, and we have the template for a office of daily devotions in the back printed up for you or you are taking the time to reflect and think of what it means to have Christ come again. And while we wait for that justice and peace to be instituted, how he is coming to us today. Believe it or not, the gospel reading that we had today speaks of this. Uh, you are probably used to hearing of this story. Mary and Martha are very famous uh, women of faith that are spoken of in the gospels. Uh, certainly if you are of a generation, Mary and Martha were very common names to name uh, your daughters. Martha was on the short list for both of our kids. Um, never made it. And that's because there are two topics that are, heatly, are hotly debated in our house. The second one is Martha and her personality. <laughs> the second, and, and the one that happens most often, is the Trinity and its designations. Well, that's a whole other sermon that we will get to at some point, I am sure. 
But Martha, in my opinion, and since I am the pastor in the relationship, that's the one you're going to hear. <laughs> Martha, in my opinion, is given the short stick by much of Christianity, uh, much like our brother uh, Doubting Thomas. We know Doubting Thomas for doubting. <laughs> Uh, but we often forget the famous line that he says before Christ goes to the cross. Come, let us go die with him. Uh, an amazing profession of faith that maybe even very few of us have ever been able to say in faith, but we know him as the Doubting Thomas. I think Martha, by pop Christian standards today, has been given the short stick because she is known as the one who insists on serving and being uh, in the kitchen and gets so busy with doing all of those things that she forgets what is going on out there. Well, that's true in this story. The text is very open about Martha being in the kitchen and cooking and, and preparing the dinner and serving and making sure everybody is served. And she is so anxious about it that she goes to Jesus and says, Can you not tell my sister? To come and help? Well, that is a sister relationship if we've ever seen one. <laughs> Definitely the way families often work. Go and tell mom and dad, or in this case, go tell the Lord to tell my sister to come into the kitchen and help me. Well, the Lord responds, and, and not in the way that, that Martha was anticipating, or, or not really in the way that uh, uh, anybody would anticipate the Lord responding to her, and kind of convicting her of the very thing that we are convicted of most Christmas seasons, being anxious about a lot of different things. We have in our own life going on, our lists of things for the season, the various uh, social engagements that possibly you have to attend to, or at least the gifts to wrap. And if you're not dealing with all of those things, you're dealing with the traffic that it causes. <laughs> and so anxiety and anxiousness are kind of running rampant in our life right now. And for some of us, maybe this proves to be a good kind of uh, relief or an escape from the actual anxiety that we're experiencing, the actual stress that we have going on in our lives, the problems that are going on, Advent and Christmas kind of find themselves as a way of helping us break from that and be anxious about something else. I am not a psychiatrist, I'm not a therapist, but escaping from one anxiety to another is not recommended. It's not the way to do it. And so we hear the words that Jesus actually says to Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Take that statement and apply it to your life right now. You are anxious about many things. You're anxious about many things. 
But there is one thing that is necessary. Where is that anxiety? Where is that anxiousness in your life? Where, when the Lord is coming to us in His Word, in His sacraments, what anxiety is He coming to relieve? What anxiety have you not given to Him? In what ways are you demanding, instead of coming to Jesus to lay it all there, that you are demanding others come and join you in that anxiety instead? You are anxious. I am anxious. But there's only one thing that matters. There is only one thing that is necessary. If you remember at the start of our sermon series on this, we looked at the parable of the sower where the sower is spoken of casting his seed about on the ground and some of the seeds land on the path. And last week we talked about that being a place where the enemy comes to take those seeds away and leaving them bare and open that, yes, in fact, we have an enemy after us in our faith. And, and then he throws some of the seed and it lands on the ground that has the rocks. And because the, the soil is so shallow and the roots aren't able to, to grow and to begin there, that it is easily uh, burnt to a crisp and, and goes, goes away. And then it, it, it is sent into the thorns, and the thorns choke the, the seed to death. And, but then some lands on the good soil, <laughs> and, and the good soil it produces to the 100, the 60, or 30 times what it starts with. Today, in our reading of our anxiousness, we see the ways in which the seed can land on the rocky soil. The faith takes its root, but because of this layer that we carry with ourselves and refusing to let it be in the Lord's hands, it, it never can take full root. Martha invited the Lord into her home. But even her home proved anxiousness. She could not see who was right before her. Martha was going to be facing a lot in the future. Martha will later face the death of her brother Lazarus. She will later face the death of Jesus himself. She will face persecution, not just persecution in the form of her being a servant of Christ, but we will find people will persecute her and actually want her dead because of her brother Lazarus. That the story of her brother being resurrected from the dead by Jesus proved so dangerous that people wanted them gone. Martha would be facing a lot in her life. Again, maybe something we can't even compare to. But at this moment that Jesus is speaking to her, anxiety that she is holding is nothing compared to what is coming. She needed to be ready. 
let us not forget. We hear this chastisement of Martha, the way Jesus speaks to her, the way that, that, that he even says to her, you are anxious and trouble, and that there is one thing that is necessary. But let's not forget the other words that Martha says. The words later on as she is facing one of the biggest trials of her own life, the death of her brother. Jesus, having come and arrived at their land, standing outside of the tomb of Lazarus, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her a famous line, a line that is said oftentimes at our own memorials and over our own graves, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And anyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asking her of this one thing that is necessary and confronts her and asks, do you believe this thing? And Mary's confession is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. You are anxious. But one thing is necessary. And that one thing has come to you. That one thing, the word of God making its way into your heart, into your mind, speaking to you in the words of Jesus, coming to you, washing over you in your baptism, coming inside of you as the body and blood of Jesus. And that one thing is this, you are the resurrection and the life. You are the one who is coming into this world. And He's coming to you daily for those anxieties, for that stress, for those unanswered questions, for that hectic schedule. Or that neighbor that just cut you off in traffic. It's come into the world for you. So that we make the same confession every Sunday, every day we rise out of bed, on that final day when we breathe our last and on the day when he raises us again. Yes, Lord, I do believe. You are the Son of God who is coming into this world. This is the one thing necessary, and that one thing has already happened. The Lord has come for you. The Lord is still coming into your life for you. The Lord is coming back for you. Amen? Amen.